Well, wasn't that fun? Uh, welcome to St. Martin of the Fields. Welcome to great sacred music. Special welcome to those joining us online. Special welcome to those uh, who are with us for the first time, those, especially those from abroad. And an especial welcome back to me, because I've missed the last three. And whether or not uh, great sacred music is the same without me, I'm not the same without great sacred music. So I'm absolutely thrilled uh, to be back uh, among you. Uh, that piece we just heard was a wonderful introduction to our, um, our study in creation in general and birds in particular for the next half hour uh, together. Birds uh, uh, pop up throughout the Bible but uh, are almost never, I think it's fair to say, that the main part uh, there's a threat, there's always a worry about them being unclean. Goliath threatens David uh, with his flesh being pecked by birds of the air. They're often a source of food, understandably. They're a cheap sacrifice if you're looking for one at the last minute. Uh, there's all sorts of references that you sort of think, oh yeah, I remember that. Psalm 55, O oh, for the wings of a dove. Uh, Jesus, of course, talks about sheltering under the shadow of his wings, gathering like a mother hen uh, the creatures of the earth under his wings. Uh, and, of course, the sparrow finds itself a nest in God's house in Psalm 84. Solomon kept peacocks, and birds are perhaps finally uh, a sign of beauty throughout the scriptures. Now, we're going to start... Uh, as we always do, a great sacred music by singing a hymn together. And we're going to sing a very familiar hymn, Morning Has Broken, which was not written by Cat Stevens in 1971. It was written uh, in 1931 by the English poet, uh, professional poet. There's not many people between the wars who made a living being a professional poet and children's author, but she was one of them, Elna Fargen. It was inspired by a place I, I spent a summer living, the village of Alfriston in East Sussex, and uh, subsequently set to a traditional Scottish Gaelic tune known as Bunnesan. How does it qualify for us to sing it today? Well, by the second line, um, Blackbird has spoken like the first bird. I have to say, like many of the lines in this hymn, it is completely opaque to me. Blackbirds don't speak, uh, and I have no idea what the first bird was. But it's full of those kind of allusions, as pop songs tend to be, but, but mid-20th uh, century hymns don't tend to be quite as obscure as this. Anyway, Cat Stevens created the, the legend uh, in his pre-Muslim days, and uh, a huge credit to anyone who can tell me the name of the album in 1971 from which this track is taken. No takers, no teaser and the fire cat. There you go, there's your trivia for today. today. Uh, why have you heard of Alan Afarjan apart from this uh, hymn? Well, you possibly haven't, but she did write People Look East. And she did win, the, she was the first winner <clears throat> of the Hans Anderson European Award for Children's Literature, so, uh, which has become quite a big deal. So uh, she was a distinguished woman, and we celebrate her and the whole of creation as we remain seated on the inside of the sheets. Uh, you're welcome to join in singing as the voices stand and lead us. Morning has broken. Mm -hmm. 
Well, we're now going to enjoy two pieces uh, about the creation more generally. The first of them, Morning Glory, Starlit Sky, written by the post-war English uh, Church of England parish priest and theologian W.H. Vanston. Uh, he spent a long period of time on a housing estate in Lancashire in the 50s and 60s, and in 1977 wrote a very famous book called Love's Endeavour, Love's Expense, all about uh, the mystery of the suffering of God within the possibility of creation. And what the book is really telling us is, uh, is that any act of creation involves a letting go and a risk and a vulnerability and the possibility of suffering, as any parent here will probably know. It's uh, an extraordinarily profound book, and this poem is the last page of the book, so it's a kind of summary of the whole argument of the book. Uh, and then the second piece is, is a lighter piece, all things bright and beautiful in the John Russer setting. Uh, Mrs. Cecil Francis Alexander, as you may know, was married to the Archbishop of Armagh in the, in the 19th century. She was really a social reformer. She set up uh, homes for fallen women, as they were called in those days. She was a, a mighty social reformer, uh, but she also found time to write an awful lot of hymns. And she wrote this one because she didn't have her own children, but she had a number of godchildren, and she was teaching them the Apostles' Creed, and they were finding it incredibly boring. Uh, and so she chose to write a hymn for every line of the Apostles' Creed. Uh, and this is the hymn she wrote for uh, the first line about God as the creator, and it's become possibly her most uh, lasting legacy, although I think her copy of hymns went to 60 editions in the 19th century. So she became quite a wealthy woman, and she spent all her money not having her own children uh, on her social uh, activism. Let's enjoy these two contrasting, the very solemn and the very lively together now.
Well, we're going back to the birds now with uh, Listen, Sweet Dove. Grayston Ives was a tenor in the King's uh, Singers in the 70s and 80s and was subsequently fellow and tutor in music at Magdalen College, Oxford until 2009. He published Listen, Sweet Dove in 2005. If the lyrics sound familiar, it's because of your vast knowledge of the poetry of George Herbert. This comes from, uh, it's an excerpt from his poem, Whit Sunday. I have to say, I'm just going to quote you the first line because they don't write poetry like this anymore. Listen, sweet dove, unto my song and spread thy golden wings in me, hatching my tender heart so long till it get wing and fly away with thee. Uh, then we're going to uh, hear a deceptive uh, spiritual um, uh, arranged by Moses Hogan. Who built the ark? It connects us with perhaps childhood memories of songs about Noah's ark and amusing stories about two by two and so on. Um, but there's a there's a, a a much more sober message tucked away inside this a spiritual. Um, and you can find it in the last line. Then God gave Noah the rainbow sign, be no more water, but the fire next time. And if, again, that phrase sounds familiar, it's because James Baldwin adopted that phrase, the fire next time, as the title of his, his excoriating book uh, about the situation of African-Americans in the United States in 1964, right at the heart of the civil rights movement. So, a lot of texture to these two pieces that we're going to enjoy together now.
I take you back to 1885, there's some people here who can go that far back, I can see. Uh, Carl Boberg was walking back from an afternoon service in Sweden, and uh, he ran into a thunderstorm. He saw lightning flash across the sky, strong winds across the meadows, billowing fields of grain. He heard the thunder peal in loud claps. Rain came in cool, fresh showers. Then a rainbow appeared. He arrived home. He opened the window. He saw the bay of the little town before him like a mirror. And from the woods on the other side of the bay, he heard the song of a thrush. The church bells were tolling in the quiet evening. And this series of sights, uh, sounds, and experiences led him to write a very famous hymn, which was translated into German and then subsequently into Russian, and then finally, fourthly, into English by, from the Russian, not from the original Swedish, by English missionary Stuart Hine, who also added a couple of verses of his own, the result of which was set to a Russian melody and has almost nothing to do with the original composition by Carl Boberg. It was popularized by the Billy Graham Crusades, a Songs of Praise to Pole, uh, voted it the number one favorite hymn of the United Kingdom, and it has subsequently been largely mutilated and destroyed by being sung unbelievably slowly in churches all around the country. But we are not going to do that today. We are going to sing it lustily, which is the only way uh, to sing it. We remain seated, the voices stand and lead us, and on the inside of the sheets you can find the words to, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder.
Well, we're coming towards the end of Great Sacred Music for this week. I hope you've enjoyed sharing in it. If you have, uh, there's an opportunity to make a donation as you leave. You can pay, you can offer cash if you still remember cash. We, uh, we also have uh, QR codes on the back of our sheets and we can text and we can swipe a card on your way out if you'd like to. It's all appreciated to keep this great tradition uh, going long into the future. We're going to finish um, with uh, a nightingale sang. We've really exhausted the Bible, but there's still plenty in the popular music tradition to be found about birds. Uh, written in 1939 on, in a small uh, village on the Mediterranean coast near Nice. And I am sure you will uh, remember in 2005 the national celebration of the 60th anniversary of the ending of the Second World War. The song was sung live to millions by Petula Clark, following in the footsteps of Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby, and pretty well everybody who's recorded this song. Let's enjoy it together now. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>